God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Alcoholism, a merry-go-round, named Denial, by Reverend Joseph Kellerman, former director of the Charlotte, North Carolina Council on Alcoholism. Huh. Written by a reverend. Alcoholism, a merry-go-round named Denial, has long been one of Al-Anon's most popular pamphlets and is based on a presentation given by a reverend Kellerman at a second annual workshop of the Connecticut Al-Anon groups in Milford, Connecticut on October 5th, 1968. His message was received with, su with such enthusiasm that he granted permission to Al-Anon Family Group headquarters to print and distribute it in this format. Today, Al-Anon's conference-approved literature is developed from the experience, strength, and hope for our members. However, this pamphlet came from a time when few professionals recognized the problems involved in living with alcoholism, feeling that it met with an identified need within our fellowship, the 1969 World Service Conference approved its distribution. The text is reprinted here as originally presented. Since the first printing of this pamphlet, two facts have not changed. The disease of alcoholism continues to affect families and friends of alcohol, alcoholics, and the Al-Anon Alateen continues to help pass. This pamphlet addresses everyone directly or indirectly involved in the life of a person who is suffering from the disease of alcoholism. By means of an imaginary play, it demonstrates how people in the life of an alcoholic actually perpetuate the illness and consequently hamper recovery. It suggests steps the family and friends of the alcoholic can take toward a personal program of recovery a male or female alcoholic of any age or background may appear in the starting role. We have chosen a male for this performance. Elanon can help. This pamphlet suggests Elanon is a way to cope with the situations created by alcoholism. Its one purpose is to reach us to change our thinking about alcoholism and create a new point of view for ourselves. A new attitude which can bring about miraculous change in our lives. What you are about to read represents the family problem of alcoholism in a different way and throws new light on many of its darks and baffling features. Pass. Setting the stage. Alcoholism is the tragic three-act play in which there are at least four characteristics. Character, at least four characters. The drinker and his family, friends, co-workers, and even counselors may have a part in keeping a merry-go-round turning. Alcoholism rarely appears in one person set apart from others. It seldom continues in isolation from others. One person drinks too much and gets drunk and others react to his drinking and its consequences. The drinker responds to this reaction and drinks again. This set up a merry-go-round of blame and denial downward, a downward spiral which characterizes alcoholism. Therefore, to understand alcoholism, we must look not at the alcoholic alone, but view the illness as if we were sitting in the audience watching a play and observing carefully the roles of all the actors in the drama. As the play opens, we see the alcoholic as the star of the first act. He does all the acting, others react to what he does. A male between the ages of 30 and 55, he is usually smart, skillful, and often successful in his work, but his goal may be far above his ability. We see that he is sensitive, lonely, and tense. He is also immature in a way that produces a real dependence. However, he may act in an independent way in order to deny this fact. He also denies he's responsible for the results of his behavior. From this dependency, the denial comes the name of a play, a merry-go-round named Denial. 
for him to act in this way, others must make it possible. That is why we must observe carefully what each actor does in the play. The alcoholic has learned that the use of alcohol makes him feel better. To him it is a blessing, not a curse, his medicine, not a poison. For a few hours it floats away his troubles, it melts away his fears, reduces his tension, removes his loneliness, and solves all his problems past. Act one. The play opens with the alcoholic stating that no one can tell him what to do. He tells them this makes it very difficult for the family to talk about drinking and its results. This makes it very difficult. Even when the, the drinking is obviously causing serious problems, he simply will not discuss them. Talking is like one-way street. No one seems to hear what the others are saying. On both sides, people say one thing yet do other. another. This is why it is necessary to see the play to understand alcoholism, to observe the alcoholic alanon, to read a scientific description of the illness, or to listen to the family's tale of woe is only a small part of the drama. The key word in alcoholism is denial, or again and again people do what they say they will not or deny what they have done. If we could watch the play on TV, and turn off the sound, we would understand much better what we really, what was really happening. Early in the first act, the alcoholic needs a drink, so he takes one. He drinks hard and fast, not slow and easy. He may drink openly, but more likely he will conceal the amount he drinks by drinking off stage and not in the presence of other actors in the play. This is the first part of the denial, hiding the amount he drinks. But it proves to us that he knows he is drinking too much. He drinks more than others, more often than others. And above all, it means far more to him than to others. Drinking too much too often is not a matter of choice. It is the first sign of alcoholism. Repeated denial by hiding the bottle and drinking alone reveals how important alcohol has become in helping the alcoholic feel better. After one or two drinks, he cannot stop. After a few more, we see a profound change in the alcoholic. He reveals a sense of success, well-being, and self-sufficiency. He's on top of the world and may act as if he were a little god. Now he's right and everybody else is wrong. This is very likely to happen if someone objects to his drinking. There is one way all alcoholics act while intoxicated, but they are not rational or sensible. They are not res responsible. They are apt to ignore the rule, rules of society conduct, sometimes even in a criminal degree of which <clears throat> driving under the influence is a clear example. If a sober person acted this way, we would call him Insane. Pass. If drinking continues long enough, the alcoholic creates a crisis, gets into trouble, ends up in a mess. This can happen in many ways, but the pattern is always the same. He is a dependent who behaves as if he were independent, and drinking makes it easy to convince himself this is true. Yet the results of his drinking made him make him even more dependent on others. When, he, when his self-created crisis strikes, he waits for something to happen, ignores it, walks away from it, or cries for someone to get him out of it. Alcohol, which at first gave him a sense of success and independence, now has stripped him of his mask and reveals him a helpless, dependent child. Act 2. In Act 2, the alcoholic does nothing but wait for and expect others to do it for him. Three, three others in the play are act out their roles, and the alcoholic benefits from what they do. He does, he does little or nothing. Everything is done for him in the second act. The enabler. The first person to appear is one we might call the enabler, a, quote, helpful, unquote, Mr. Clean, 
who may be impelled by his own anxiety and guilt to rescue his friends from the alcoholic from his predicament. He wants to save the alcoholic from the immediate crisis and relieve him of the unbearable tension created by the situation. In reality, this person may be meeting a need of his own rather than that of the alcoholic, although he does not realize this himself. The enabler may be a male outside the family, perhaps a relative. Occasionally a woman plays the role pass. It is also played by the so-called helping professionals. Clergymen, doctors, lawyers, social workers, many have had little, if any, of the scientific instruction on alcohol and alcoholism, which is essential to such specialized counseling. Lacking this knowledge, they handle the situation in the same manner as the non-professional enabler. This denies the alcoholic the process of learning by correcting his own mistakes and conditions him to believe there will always be a protector who will come to his rescue. Even though the enablers insist they will never again rescue him, they always have and the alcoholic believes they always will. <coughs> Such rescue operations can be just as compulsive as drinking. The victim. The next character to come on stage may be called the victim. This may be the boss, the employer, the foreman or supervisor, the commanding officer in military life, a business partner, or at times a fellow employee. The victim is the person who is responsible for getting the work done if the alcoholic is absent due to drinking or is half on and half off the job due to a hangover. Statistics in industry shows that by the time drinking interferes with a man's job, he may have been working for the same company for 10 or 15 years and his boss has become a very real friend. Protection of the man is a perfectly normal response there is always the hope that this will be the last time. The alcoholic has become completely dependent on this repeated protection and cover up by the victim. Otherwise, he could not continue drinking on this fashion. He would be complete, com compelled to give up drinking or give up the job. It is the victim who enables the alcoholic to continue his irresponsible drinking without losing his job. Pass. The pro provoker. The third character in this act is the key person in the play, the spouse or parent of the alcoholic, the person with, with whom the alcoholic lives. This is usually the wife or mother. She is a veteran at this role and has played it much longer than the others in the act. She is a provoker. She is hurt and upset by repeated drinking episodes, but she holds the family together despite all the trouble caused by drinking. In turn, she feeds back into the marriage her bitterness, resentment, fear, and hurt, and so becomes a source of provocation. She controls, she tries to force the change that she wants. She sacrifices, adjusts, never gives up, never gives in, but never forgets. The attitude of the alcoholic is that his failure should be acceptable, but she must never fail him. He acts with complete independence and insists that he will do as he pleases. And he expects her to do exactly what he tells her to do or not to do. She must be home when he arrives, if he arrives. This character might also be called the adjuster. She is constantly adjusting to the crisis and trouble caused by the drinking. The alcoholic blames her for everything that goes wrong with the home and the marriage. She tries everything possible to make her marriage work to provide, to prove he is wrong. She is wife and housekeeper and may in addition feel compelled to to earn part of the bread, living with a man who is, whose illness is alcoholism, she attempts to be a nurse, doctor, and counselor. 
she cannot play all three roles, so without hurting herself and her husband, she is so upset that she cannot talk to her husband without adding more guilt, bitterness, resentment, or hostility to the situation, which is already almost unbearable. Yet the customs of our society train and condition the wife to play this role. If she does not, she finds herself going against what family and society regard as the wife's role. No matter what the alcoholic does, he ends up at home. This is where everyone goes when there is no other place to go, pass. Act two is now played out in full. The alcoholic in his helpless condition has been rescued, put back on the job and restored as a member of the family. This clothes him in the costume of a responsible adult. As everything was done for him and now by him, not by him, his dependency is increased and he remains a child of in an adult suit. The result, effects, and problems caused by drinking have been removed by others. They have cleaned up the entire mess made by the alcoholic. The painful results of the drinking were suffered by persons other than the drinker. This permits him to continue drinking as a way to solve his problems. In Act 1, the alcoholic ki killed all his pain and woe by getting drunk. In Act 2, the trouble and painful results of drinking are removed by other people. This convinced the alcoholic that he can go on behaving in this responsible way. Act 3. <coughs> Act 3 begins in much the same manner as Act 1, but something has been added by the first and second act. The need to deny. His dependency is now greater than must be expressed almost at once, and even more empathetically. The alcoholic denies he has a drinking problem, denies he is an alcoholic, denies that alcohol is causing him trouble. His refusal to acknowledge that anyone help him, more denial. He denies he may lose his job and insists that he is the best or most skilled person at his job. Above all, he denies he has caused his family any trouble. In fact, he blames his family, especially the wife, for all the fuss, nagging, and problems. He may even insist that his wife is crazy that he needs to see, she needs to see a psychologist, psychiatrist. As the illness and conflict get worse, the husband often accuses his wife of being unfaithful, having affairs with other men, although he has no reason for these accusations. Pass. Some alcoholics achieve the same denial by a stony silence, refusing to discuss anything related to their drinking. Their memory is the memory is that memory is too painful. Others permit the family to discuss what they did wrong and what they failed to do, whether drunk or sober. The wife never forgets what their what her husband does. The husband may not remember what he did while intoxicated. But he never forgets what his wife tells him he did or failed to do. The real problem is that the alcoholic is well aware of the truth, which he so strongly denies. He is aware of his drunkenness. He is aware of his failure. He's, his guilt and remorse have become unbearable. He cannot tolerate criticism or advice from others. Above all, the memory of his other helplessness and failure at the end of the of the first act is more than embarrassing. It is far too painful for a person who thinks and acts as if he were a little god in his own world. In time, the family adjusts to their way of living together. The alcoholic may deny he will drink again, and others in the play may vow never again to help him. The enabler says that he will never again come to the rescue. The victim will not allow another job failure due to drinking. The provoker, whether wife or mother, tells the alcoholic they cannot live together under these conditions. Pass. 
what is said is completely different from what everyone has done and will do again. The enabler, the victim, and the provoker have said this before, but did not carry it out. The result is that the alcoholic sense of guilt and failure is increased. His godlike assurance that he can always do as he pleases is challenged. And all this adds to his heavy burden of tension and loneliness. If this mental pain is made unbearable, especially by the changed attitudes and actions of other members of the cast, there can be only one sure way for him to remove his pain, overcome his guilt and sense of failure, and recover a sense of worth and values. However, if Act 2 is played out as described, it is inescapable that in Act 3, the alcoholic will drink again. This is his one sure means of re relieving all pain, solving all problems, and achieving a sense of being all right. The memory of the immediate comfort and benefits of drinking blot out the knowledge of what will happen if he drinks. Also always in the back of his mind is the hope that this time he can control it and get the greater, great benefits of he once did from drinking. So what seems absolutely necessary to the alcoholic, of course, he begins to drink again. When he takes the drink, the play does not come to an end. The curtain closes at the end of Act 1 and Act 2, but in Act 3, the play suddenly returns to the first act without closing the curtain. It is like watching a three-reel movie, which continues to run without stopping at any point. If the person in the audience of the play remains seated long enough and the first two acts are played out as described, all three acts will be played over and over and at the end of act three, the alcoholic will drink again. As years go by, the, the actors get older, but there is a, li a little change in the words or the action of the play. If the first two acts are played as described, then Act 3 will follow in the same way. If Act 1 had not occurred, we would not have had the beginning of a play about alcoholism and the drama surrounding it. This makes Act 2 the only one in which the attraction drama of alcoholism can be changed. The only act in which recovery can be initiated by the decisions and actions of those I pass. Okay. Of those other than the alcohol, other than the alcoholic. In Act Two, the alcoholic has accepted everything that was done for him by others, who perform in the way, in this way, by choice or because they simply cannot resist helping him. Yet this act is the one with the real potential to break the downward spiral of alcoholism and it's merry-go-round of denial. Let us see what happens when those associated with the alcoholic determine to create a change in the situation. Recovery begins in Act 2. A planned recovery from alcoholism must begin with the, with the persons in the second act. They must learn how people affect each other in this illness and then learn the most difficult part, that of acting in an entirely different fashion. <laughs> New roles can be learned only by turning to others who understand the play and putting into practice their insights and knowledge. If Act 2 is rewritten and replayed, there is every reason to believe that the alcoholic will recover. He is locked in by his illness. Others hold the key to the lock. We cannot demand that he give up drinking as a means of solving his problems. But if we unlock the door, he will be free to come out. If the alcoholic rescues, is rescued from every crisis, if the boss allows himself to be a victim again and again, and if the wife reacts as a provoker, there is not one chance in ten of the alcoholic recovery. He is virtually helpless 
he himself cannot break the lock. He may recover if the other actors in the play learn how to break his dependency on them by refusing to give in. The alcoholic cannot keep the merry-go-round going unless the others ride in it with him and keep and help him keep it going. The actors in the second act keep asking out the alcoholic why he does not stop drinking, and yet it is when they fail, it is, it is what they do or fail to do that helps the alcoholic to try again and again to solve his basic human problems by drinking. It is not true that an alcoholic cannot be helped until he wants help. It is true that there is almost no chance that the alcoholic will stop drinking as long as other people remove all the painful consequences for him past. The people in the second act will find it difficult to change. It is much easier and far less painful for them to say that the alcoholic cannot be helped than go through the agony of learning to play a new role. The enablers and the victims too must seek information, insight and understanding if they plan to change their roles. The wife or mother must become active in a program of counseling and therapy if she is to make a basic change in her life. In understanding the role of the three supportive actors in the drama, we must remember that they did not learn to play these roles overnight. They play the role they think is expressed of them. They have been taught to act in this way. They imagine they are helping the alcoholic and do not know they are perpetuating the illness and making it almost impossible for the alcoholic to recover. The enablers. The enabler is a person who feels he must not let the alcoholic suffer the consequences of his drinking. When he can so easily prevent this by a simple rescue operation, to him it is like saving a drowning man. It simply must be done. But this rescue mission conveys to the alcoholic what the rescuer really thinks. You cannot make it without my help. The enabler does reveal a, a lack of faith in the alcoholic's ability to take care of himself, which is a form of judgment and condemnation. The role of the professional enabler, clergyman, doctor, lawyer, and social worker can be most destructive. If it conditions are the family, if it conditions the family to pass. If it conditions the family to reduce the crisis rather than, than, than to use it to initiate a recovery program. The family has probably known for five or more years that drinking was creating serious problems. But this is not so. But this is not so apt to be visible to persons outside the family. When the family turns to professionals who are not adequately qualified to deal with alcoholism before the antisocial behavior has become obvious, the family may be told that this is not alcoholism and there is nothing they can do until the drinker wants help. When alcoholism reaches the point where it breaks outside the family and the alcoholic himself turns to such professional people, he secures a re reduction of this crisis, of his crisis by seeking and using these persons as enablers. This again keeps the merry-go-round going. The family which was to told initially that there was no signs of alcoholism is now taught that the way to deal with it is to remove the symptoms rather than to deal realistically with the illness. The very persons who failed to identify the alcoholism in its early stages may now treat the more advanced symptoms by helping the alcoholic get back on the merry-go-round. This further condi conditions the family to believe that nothing can be done to cope with the alcoholism. Even when the family members attempt to secure help for themselves or for the alcoholic, the professional role may be that of an enabler rather than leading the family 
and the alcoholic into long-range program of recovery. As the enabler is the first person on the scene, the influence that he influences the remainder of the second act because it sets the direction and movement of this party of the play. Thus, the uninformed professional helps everyone get back on the merry-go-round. The victim does not get on the merry-go-round until the drinking has become has begun to interfere with the alcoholic's work, usually after he has been on the job for many years and a close friendship exists between the foreman and the alcoholic. The foreman protects the alcoholic friend knowing that the wife and children will suffer if the man is fired. This is especially true if the, if the company has no program for helping alcoholics to recover. Fellow workers also protect the alcoholic's job because this man is their friend. Personal interest and friendship cause the victim to give the alcoholic the very help that increases his dependency and need for denial pass. The wife is the first person who joins the alcoholic on the merry-go-round. If she observes injustice, suffers deprivation, endures repeated embarrassments, accepts broken promises, is outwitted, or undermined in every effort to cope with the drinking problem situation, and is beaten down by the constant expression of hostility directed to her own reaction to hostility, bitterness, anxiety, and anger playing this role in this way makes his wife sick. She is not a sick woman who has made her husband become an alcoholic, but a woman who becomes part of an illness by living with it. She is put in a role which forces her husband, or forces her to become the provoker. She is caught between the advancing illness of alcoholism and the wall of ignorance, shame, and embarrassment inflicted upon her by society. This crushes her. She needs information and counseling, not because she causes her husband's illness, but because she is being destroyed by it. This, in turn, hurts the alcoholic and greatly reduces the chances of recovery. The wife stands alone. Another reason why the wife needs help in the plan of recovery is that if, if the changes her role, if she changes her role and begins to act in a new way, she will discover she is standing alone. Others, friends, relatives, husband, associates will, business associates will treat her as an actor who is deserting a play where there is no, go ahead, pass. Where, where there is no substitute to take her part. This is especially true if the wife separates from her husband, whether by choice or necessity. Some wives can change their roles by having talks with a counselor who has basic knowledge of alcoholism or by attending group meetings in a local alcoholism clinic or mental health clinic. Others gain insight and security by taking part in, a, in the Al-Anon family group meetings having new friends who understand but her new role because they have lived through a similar pain and agony is very important for the wife at this time. Relatives and friends may tell her how wrong she is in trying to play a new role. She needs people who understand and can give moral support in her search for answers <coughs> to the problems of alcoholism. <coughs> The basic mistake made by women who seek help for their husband's alcoholism is, is that they want to be told what they can do to stop the drinking, not realizing that it may take a long time to learn a new role in the alcoholic marriage. Long periods of regular weekly conferences or group meetings are often necessary before a wife begins to change her feelings and learns to act in a new constructive way. If others in the, in the play do not learn new roles, the wife may need 
to remain in the group for a period of two or three years before feelings and emotions will permit a change in a role. The wife should seek help for herself to recover from her own fears, anxieties, resentments, and the other destructive forces at work in an alcoholic marriage. As she is able to change, this may change the drinking pattern of her husband, and in many cases, such change leads to the alcoholic's recovery. Few husbands can stand a drastic change in their wives without making basic changes in their own lives. But in this desire, but this desirable change cannot be guaranteed. Many wives seek some form of help and then drop out of a program when the pro, when the problems of the alcoholic marriage are not solved in a short time. To avoid injury to the children, the wife must seek help outside the circle of family and friends. When she plays the role of provoker, the children are placed between a sick father and a sick mother. The wife who seeks and finds help early enough can prevent much of them, much of the harm which is being passed on to the children through her reaction to her husband. If she still, if she seeks and finds help, it will protect the children in many ways and may often, and may open the door to her husband's recovery. The rate of recovery increases greatly when the wife seeks help for herself and continues to use this help path. The moral issue. The moral issue is also important. No one has a right to play God and demand that the alcoholic stop drinking. The reverse is also true. The alcoholic can only continue to act like a little God, telling everyone what to do while doing as he pleases. If a supported caste continues to play this role, the wife has every moral right and responsibility to refuse to act as if her husband were God, Almighty, whose every wish and commandment she must obey. As a rule, she cannot tell her husband anything for he refuses to hear it. Her only effective means of telling him what she means is to learn to free herself from his attempts to control and, and dictate what she is to do. This independence may be exercised in silence. Oh, you mean this, not this Friday, the following Friday. Yeah, the following, the following week, Christmas. It need not be expressed in words, just as the real message to the wife is what the husband does and not what he says. She must learn to convey her message by acting in a new way. Two things may interfere with success in a long-range program for, for the wife. First, the husband's attitude towards the new role may range from disapproval to direct threat or violence. Second, responsibility in the home, especially if there are young children, makes it difficult for the wife to get away to go to group meeting, counseling, or therapy. During the day, at, at night, few alcoholics' husbands will babysit or pay for this service while the wife attends meetings of Elna, nor should they be trusted with this responsibility while drinking. In the couple marriage, in the couple married at an average age, if the couple marry at an average age during the pre-alcoholic stage of this illness, the wife is the first person who joins him on the merry-go-round. <laughs> when alcoholism appears many years later, the enabler and the victim start their roles. If recovery from alcohol is to be initiated before the illness becomes acute, the wife must initiate the recovery program. Most persons today often include that helping professionals are unwilling to accept alcoholism as an illness until it reaches the addictive stage of chronic alcoholism. This, thus the wife will find herself in a position of a pioneer in the search for help. If her minister condemns drunkenness, she is ashamed to turn to him. If her doctor fails to recognize the existence of alcoholism in the early stages, medical help and counsel for her are cut off. If conditions become unbearable and she consults a lawyer, he may talk in terms of separation or divorce. 
as a result, as the only service he can offer. This increases her sense of failure as a wife or, or terrified her with the prospect of the anxiety and grief she would have if she took such action. So most wives stay on the merry-go-round or get back on soon after trying to stop it or get off. Until there are drastic changes in our cultural and society attitudes towards drinking and alcohol, alcoholism, the family member who wishes to initiate program of recovery from alcoholism must understand this can be a long and difficult process. However, pass. However, if the wife or other family member is willing to enter <coughs> into a weekly program of education, therapy, Al-Anon, or counseling, and work, work at it for a period of six months, changes usually occur, not only in her life, but also often in the life and action of the alcoholic. A wife cannot make such a change unless she believes it is to be the right and moral choice, so she must understand the nature of alcoholism. She must also have the courage to stand against her husband's opposition to to her own program of recovery. A wife cannot be expected to do what is beyond her emotional or financial capacity. However, by remaining in a program of her own, she may be able to solve the problems which are at first seem to be difficult. There is no easy way to stop the merry-go-round for it can be more painful to stop it than to keep it going. It is impossible to spell out definite rules which apply to all members of the play. Each case is different, but the framework of the play remains the same. The family member is able to see the merry-go-round from the alcoholic, but often fails to see what fails to see that she is the one who helps it keep going. The hardest part of stopping the repeated cycle is the fear that the alcoholic won't make it without such help. But what she unknowingly considers help is the very thing that permits him to continue to use alcohol as the cure for all his problems. Initiating recovery. It is a friend called upon for help. If a friend is called upon for help, this should be used as an opportunity to lead the alcoholic and the family into planned program of recovery. A professional who has alcoholics or their family members as clients or patients should learn how to cope with alcoholism. Specific literature is available through local, state, and national programs on alcoholism. Short, intensive workshops are also available for professionals who are willing to spend time and effort to acquire basic knowledge of alcoholism. If a wife thinks her husband has a drinking problem or thinks too, too much too often, she should seek help <coughs> and counsel immediately, <coughs> evaluating the situation in order to find the programs best suited best suited to her deeds. Regardless of the kind of help the wife chooses, she should not stop after a few conferences or meetings, for change do not occur overnight. Regular attendance should be continued, for many wives learned it takes a long time to secure the real benefit from such a program. In our present society, the wife has one basic choice, to seek help for herself or permit the illness of alcoholism to destroy her, other members of her family, and perhaps her marriage. Help through Elanon. Elanon is the most widespread group resource for the family today, just as AA is for the alcoholic. Each has several thousand groups throughout the country. Many communities also have alcoholism information centers mental health centers, and professional persons who have learned to give wise and helpful counsel to the family. To repeat, the wife can find a course of help for herself. This is the only way to break the merry-go-round of denial. Once help is found, 
She must continue to use whatever help is available and build her own program of recovery, preferably within an established group. Starting a recovery program may cause greater suffering, conflict, and confusion, but in the long run, this is far less painful than helping the alcoholic continue to drink by remaining a member of the uh, supportive cast of the play, which keeps the merry-go-round turning. Amen. Yay. Amen. Now, I'd like to ask you, Mark, as a professional, when a, the wife comes over here, what section do you believe we should read to get her attention to read this pamphlet? I think the, the, the back side of the section where it directly uh, helps your own on. Yeah, or, or even a little, the moral issue or the wife stands alone it's a good place because this this is a lot of reading, right? It's a lot of yeah, it's a lot of data. And we, you know, the wife, well, where we can read her, give her some hope that there's a plan of action. She may take this pamphlet and read the rest of it. Because, what do you think? What did you think? Yeah, I mean, it's who knows if she'll actually read the whole thing. Um, it seems like the very last help through Al-Anon. Um, I mean, that kind of says you go to Al-Anon and get help there. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you found what you said. You said the the best paragraph you think would be which one? A moral issue. Right before that one. The wife stands alone. Right. Because uh, she sees the uh, all the cast members that are causing him to stay on the. Are not bringing a solution. The doctor gives them pills. The the the, the judge uh, finds him. The employer, you know, he's a good employee, but he's trying to protect the family. The employer's causing it. Right. You know, so everybody's playing a role in society. We always have compassion, but misdirected compassion without strong love. Yeah, you're probably right. I would. It's it's more. I mean, any of them, are, they're all good, but yeah, I think you're right. To give them this, to give them this section instead of to read the whole par to read the whole pamphlet, they may not read the whole pamphlet. Right, well, we want to tattoo it in their souls that uh, we're talking about, because we get a lot, we have gotten over 12 wives come in here. <laughs> through here in the last couple of years well it's mostly women that are it's it's Al-Anon is mostly women with alcoholic husbands it's been about 10 20 percent men that come through here and uh have that right hey, hey look, there's chico <laughs> anyways uh yeah, so I think you got a point there. Giving them one section that points to, to the real issue instead of all the rest of it. You as a professional, what do you think about this pamphlet? This is perfect for, for letting someone see what how Al-Anon's working and what the characters are. I've never seen it. I've never read it. And... Uh, to see what part they're playing and to see what the part the other people are playing. You know, I, I always say you're a professional because you, you you run a clinic of, of making people well with extraordinary success. I myself have gone to your clinic. I'm, I am sold on your, uh, the wisdom that's in your, you know, and, and the healing that I gotten right away. I believed in the process and I gotten so well. So we need to keep the people to believe in the process of what we're doing. So they, they, they will hold it to the, like a air or water or sunshine, food, this program. Right. To raise the value of this program is so important. True. Okay, well, if you don't have any more choice, we can go ahead and finish, say, close it off with a prayer. Yeah, may as well. We can end with, uh, we can end it with the Our Father. All righty. 
Our Father, our Father who art in heaven, heaven hallowed be thy, thy name. name. Thy, thy kingdom, kingdom come, thy, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. He coming back. Amen. Yeah, good meeting. Yeah, if you can, if you can send that whole video by email, by text, I don't know if or you used to link to it. It would have to go to your email because it's too big. Oh, yeah, yeah, you have to email and, it. And then I'll send it to my mom. She'll probably listen to the whole thing, and that would be really helpful for her. Because she, she's not what she has. Welcome. We're delighted to have you at our meeting. We love our Promises meeting. It's a great way to kick off the week. So, um, I think I will, I'm going to go straight into the miracle. Uh, otherwise, I'll go back 64 years and I know it will be <laughs> 20 minutes before I get to age 30 or something like that. So let me, let me go to the miracle and then I'm going to work my way backwards and then forwards. So the miracle happened. I was laying on the couch. I'm 58 years old. It's been about a year and a half since I retired. That year and a half, I spent drunk almost every day. I mean, really drunk. I got drunk the first day I re retired. The first day that I thought all my problems will be over. It's that stupid job that stresses me out. And anyway, I'm laying on the couch. I don't even, I, I'm just, I've just, my mind's dull. My feelings are dull. All I can think is I just had the certainty I was going to die. And I didn't know what to do about it. And I didn't actually much care, I thought. I felt kind of regretful. <laughs> and I felt like, oh, I'm going to disappoint myself and everybody who knew me, but I think I'm going to die. I, there's just no way out of this and the the hand of god my guardian angel all the angels and saints i don't know who it was my higher power just put a, a loving finger on me tap tap and said um go to an aa meeting i'm like what <laughs> go to an aa meeting today and there was just no disagreeing with that voice. And there was no, there was no argument with it. I, I didn't say it's all in my head or I'm, I'm hallucinating. I'm drinking so much. I'm hallucinating. I just knew I had to do it. So I, of course had heard, I'm a social worker, a retired social worker. And I had heard of AA. I knew there was all kinds of meetings. My sisters, Teresa and Ruth went to all kinds of meetings. My mom was an AA. So I thought, yeah, sure enough, I'm sure there's going to be an AA meeting in Huntington Beach, and there was. And on the way to that meeting, it was 6 o'clock that night, so about an hour from 5 to 6, I mean, I would start drinking at 5 and at 6 be pretty happy. So there I was, stone cold sober, somewhat hungover, and I called Teresa. Now, she doesn't pick up the phone very often at all. I thought, I'm just going to call her and leave her a message, tell her I'm going to an AA meeting. I had to tell somebody. Wait, and, I, or no? Par, pardon me, Lewis? Um, Can you unmute yourself? I love to speak or no? <laughs> So what what we do is we we I'm the speaker for tonight because everyone sorry, else sorry. is at Super Bowl and then we're gonna um, we're gonna uh, talk about a specific promise. Okay, so hang in there, hang in there. So Teresa answered and she was amazed. And I went to my first meeting. I didn't know my ass from my elbow, but people were so kind. I'll never forget this one guy, Larry. He came walking up to me and he said, hi, I'm Larry and I'm an alcoholic. Are you an alcoholic? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I think so. I can't tell you I fell in love with Alcoholics Anonymous that day, but 
by the end of a couple weeks, I was in love with it. And I have remained in love with it. I'm, I'm no longer on that pink cloud that I was, um, you know, that whole first year, really. But there's a depth to my feelings and an appreciation. And just the lessons are slowly but surely sinking in. And they are, and slowly but surely, I'm really coming to know concepts like serenity, peace. Um, the promises are coming true. Um, I do take more of it. I am less selfish and do take more of an interest in my fellows, a genuine, sincere interest. I've learned how to trust people through this program. I really didn't before. I mean, I have much to work on in that area, but it's better. Everything's better with sobriety. Sobriety never lets you down. So that's where I am today, and um, in March, one day at a time, March 13th, I will have six years. So, Tricia, you know, have that six-year chip. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit about how I believe I came to be an alcoholic. So I was born, I had a very good childhood, I had loving parents, I had great siblings. I had everything you could possibly wish for. Great education, um, a lot of support. There was really no reason that I can tell you, oh, this, this one's going to be an alcoholic. All I can say is once I started drinking, when I went to art school at age 18, I kept on drinking. And at that point in our American culture, we knew all about uh, drunk driving. There was this fairly new organization. It was called Mothers Against Drunk Drivers, MAD. So, so I knew all that. I knew it was bad. I knew that I, I knew cirrhosis of the liver. I didn't really, I thought that was what all alcoholics died from. But I knew I was an alcoholic because you know, an alcoholic is somebody who's just beyond the pale or like my uncle Ray, just completely unable to control myself, you know? So I certainly wasn't that. I, I loved school and, but once I started drinking, I kept on drinking and alcoholism is a progressive disease. At least it was in my case. And it just, over the years, you guys, I don't know if you can see this, but <laughs> Here's the graph of my drinking going up and up and up and up and up. And I think pretty early on, I knew in the back of my mind, I had a problem because every Lent, I would pretty much give up drinking. You're supposed to give up something for Lent and you're supposed to add something. And the thing you give up needs to mean a lot to you. So it was a no brainer for me. I would give up, <laughs> I would give up drinking. And then on Easter, I would get massively drunk because I was like oh you know I deserve it now those of you that know me know me I'm a, I'm Christian and I I believe in Christianity I I practice it I have a very structured religious life um, and here it is the most important holiday of my Catholicism and what do I do I'm like oh hi Jesus thank you very much I mean, it, it was, it just got worse and worse and worse. The only time I didn't drink towards the end, because I, I gave up, I gave up giving it up for Lent, probably about 10 years before I stopped drinking because I couldn't, I couldn't give it up for Lent at all. The only time that I could count on that I wouldn't drink would be when I went to work work was sacred and I could not, um, I really couldn't function. I couldn't imagine myself functioning in my job while I was drinking, but it affected my job because every morning at that point I was coming in hungover. And I don't know about you guys, but it would take me until noon, right around noon, I would start feeling normal and I'd be able to do my job better than I had done that morning. And I would think, boy, oh boy, I'm not going to drink tonight because it's Wednesday. I'd go home. I think, 
should I take a walk and feel good for hours or should I just pour this glass of wine right now and feel good in about two seconds? So that's my story. I, I, you know, my, my partner and I, Amanda, um, we both drank together. And when I gave it up, she continued to drink. Um, I think I've told you guys, I'm pretty sure I've told most people in this group, but Amanda gave up drinking six months ago and we have an absolutely alcohol free household and I'm just loving it. And she doesn't seem to mind at all. She's not really interested in AA, but you know, I'll take it. I'll take it. So, um, I try.